Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz guitar legend Pat Martino. We caught up with him to discuss his latest 2017 CD called Formidable and many other things. He discussed his life in Philadelphia and how he was first exposed to jazz through his father, Carmen Mickey Azara, who sang in local clubs and briefly studied with guitar legend Eddie Lang. He actually began playing guitar when he was 12 years old, left school in the 10th grade to devote himself to music, and became actively involved with the early rock scene in Philadelphia, along with the stars like Frankie Avalon and Bobby Darin. He was an icon before his 18th birthday and signed on as a leader for Prestige Records when he was only 20 years old. Pat has a hugely interesting career and lifeline. His survival has been the key to his success. So please get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Thank you for taking a minute out. This is a true honor to be able to speak with you today. I appreciate it. It's really a pleasure. Before we begin here, I just want to let you know I've always felt with your career that you have always gotten better with time, and Formidable is a beautiful disc, and I just want to talk to you about what kind of creative forces went into making this album. Well, that's that's a, an interesting question. That It's very difficult for me to give you a specific answer on that, other than the fact that what really suits me more than anything is to pay attention to the moment. Each and every moment is latent, with exactly what's needed for precision. And all of the members of the group uh, for that particular project, they brought in their own identities, which is totally out of control on, you know, on my behalf. So I, I'm just like wide open uh, to be affected by their presence, by their abilities, uh, great players, wonderful people, and the studio that we recorded in was fully equipped. The engineering was just wonderful. Everything was in place. And the only word that fits the, uh, the unification of all of those things is now, N-O-W. When I focus on now and pay attention to what's taking place, what comes from that is the next reality. Beautiful. And I also want to say congratulations to the Eagles for winning the Super Bowl. It must be pretty jubilant up there right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. It sure is. You know, Kansas City won the World Series back in 2015, and it was kind of that same sense, so I felt that surge for you guys. It's a uh, long time coming, and I was rooting for you. So, um, Well, that's just great. You know what it feels like. That's yeah, great. absolutely. It's it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah, it's really, it's odd. It's one of a kind. Yeah, it's surreal, for sure. Um, the one thing I do want to ask you about your childhood in Philly, your, your father, uh, Mickey, sang in local clubs and studied guitar with Eddie Lang, and it sounded like you got kind of pulled into that world and kind of had a fairy tale beginning to your jazz existence. I think so, yeah. I mean, the fact that at the age of eight or nine years old, I was exposed to players like Johnny Smith, um, Eddie Lang, Joe Venuti. Um, and, of course, that went into West Montgomery when the time came. Uh, just to be surrounded by some just wonderful music was 
part of growing up. It was my childhood. So you started playing the guitar at 12. You left in the 10th grade to pursue music. So it's easy to say that your life and music was etched very early on and you knew what you were going to do with your life. It was etched from the get-go. As far as me knowing what I was going to do with my life, that's something that I still don't know. I'm so involved in the moment. That's what I want to do with my life, to be aware and to be totally focused on what's taking place now. So I think, I think the same thing was taking place back then. And there was nothing specific that captured my attention other than the moment. And it's a funny thing, you know, I, uh, I have students that contact me and they have certain things that they want to uh, hopefully gain insight into. And one of them recently brought my attention to an email. If it were at all possible, he would really prefer to ask me some questions about my right hand and how, what he should do to gain access to precision with it. And it brought me back to exactly the same thing, that it's impossible to be realistic when it comes to studying something as opposed to experiencing it. His question or his request would be similar to uh, practicing your right leg as opposed to your left leg in walking. You don't even give thought to it. It falls in place. And it's natural. Well, the same thing with the right hand or the left hand. What's more important is to f focus, deeply focus, upon what you want to communicate. And not only that, your ability as it is, is essential. Uh, that you can really get the feeling of expressing yourself. Not becoming something that you are not already, but expressing what you truly are. So, you know, I, it's a funny thing. I, I, I feel these are very important facets to my own growth and paying attention to the moment is the most important thing of it all. Sounds very existential for sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Since this has been kind of woven into your DNA and your life for, for your entire life, did you ever get nervous when you performed on stage or was it just a natural feeling, an extension of who you are? It's natural to uh, feel your encasement. Uh, to, to, that's what nervousness really is all about. It's, it's your vehicle. It, it's what you're using for communication, for creativity, and, and it, it's formation and how it flows. It's the vehicle that you are in. So it, it's okay to feel nervous. It's okay that you can feel the car that you are in, and you can feel it vibrate. But that has really nothing to do with the destination. And it's more important to pay attention to the destination than the vehicle itself. That should come naturally. As I said about practicing the right leg as opposed to the left, is unnatural. Just walking with grace is what really is natural. So I think... It always comes back to that, as you put it, existential point of view. That's what's important in every case. Absolutely. So in those early years of the rock and roll scene in Philadelphia, you got experience with Bobby Darren and Frankie Avalon. 
what was that like? How much did you grow through those experiences? I think, you know, the very same thing that any child uh, experiences with their best friends. Uh, the ability to interact, socially interact, to adhere to the topic of enjoyment, which is sometimes very abstract at certain ages, you know, children. That's the way it goes. You know, I met Charlie Erland the first time in South Philadelphia High School. Charlie was a grade or two up from from me when I went into South Philadelphia High School. But he was in the big band, and I was affected by his playing, by listening to him so fluent, you know, what a great tenor player. And eventually he became a formidable organist. So that's what it, I, I think is important for children to be themselves and to experience every facet of childhood growing up. And and that's what is normal for the child. So I, I don't remember putting any special time to study the guitar in the same way that I didn't really study what uh, was demanded of me in, in school. I had no interest in certain things that uh, were on the roster, you know. So the same thing with music. At first I thought it was jazz, and then as it progressed, I began to become interested in, in 20th century music. I began to be interested in music from the Far East, from Japan, from India, uh, from China. Really to cling to, to one vehicle is foolish, primarily because there are so many ways to move forward. We have to keep an open mind and be able to uh, adhere to the availability of, of new possibilities, you know? Absolutely. So when you went on the road the first time with Charlie, what was that like? How much... I, I like to talk about the growth of the musician, especially in those early years for you. That had to be... It seemed like it would be a pretty big deal. Oh, it always was and it still is. Again, we're back to the moment. It's very difficult for me to specifically remember some of the intricate factors involved in the experience itself because it goes so far back. But I do remember certain things. I remember that we... Uh, Charlie had just begun to play organ, and he could only play in, in C. <laughs> so the majority of the, of the set uh, was in C minor. And it made it easy for me to express myself fluently. Although, I mean, since there was really nothing else to learn, but what was available at the moment with Charlie. And what took place was the next move. And the next move was uh, the the, uh, the entrance to where I was playing with Charlie, which was called the Pine Grill in Buffalo, New York. In came a, a conglomerate of musicians. It was the Lloyd Price Big Band. And there were so many great players in that band, which I didn't even know about at the time. But Charlie Persip was the drummer, and Stanley Tarantine and Tommy Tarantine was in the band. Jimmy Heath was in the band. Curtis Fuller was in the band. I mean, so many great, great players that um, I was a 
eventually affected on joining that band. They asked me to be in the band. Lloyd did. And that's what brought me to New York City. So I, I remember that more than I remember the facets that led to it. Like many things, it's, it's difficult to look back because whenever I do that, it feels like baggage that isn't necessary to carry anymore. It, it, it functioned uh, in a very positive way at that time. But after that, it became nothing but a memory that had no life of its own, only to be able to recall it. So again, we're back to now and what's real at the moment. I think it, it affected them and it, as it still does at this time. So by the time you were 20 years old, you had signed with Prestige Records and you were off and running. Were you ready at that point to get into your recording a career and really get hit the ground running? I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think I was. I keep in mind that um, I had already been recording with Willis Jackson. And eventually that uh, it was just a connection to that and uh, making it a personal affair. So, and, you know, at that age, the individual, myself specifically, had an interest in, in moving forward with my career in a successful context. You know, one of the joys to me seeing how you musicians roll when you, when you, get, when you get out and you get to experience the world is, what is it like to go to different parts of the world and give people your music? How does that feel? It feels wonderful. I mean, it, it feels great to see, no matter where you are, as someone that you cause a smile on their face or a twinkle in their eye. Uh, that's a wonderful feeling. And it's something that I feel everywhere. So there's, there are certain things that are uh, continuous in nature. And that's what, what the love of life is all about. Something that you can depend on will take place. And that causes commitment and, and dedication to what you do because that's what it produces. It produces that, that, that love of life, you know. Speaking of that love of life, I, I keep thinking about a Rockwell painting of you with John Coltrane over hot chocolate. How seminal were those moments of speaking about life and jazz with him? Very difficult to describe at this point in my life, primarily because my interest back then was the magic of youth, uh, looking up to an elder. It's different at this point. Now, I, I, I'm much older at this point. I've experienced so many things. I've experienced loss in so much depth that it produced gain in itself. It was not like that back then. I was not, I was totally unaware of what the end result would be. So it's very difficult for me to answer your, your specific question on that. Well, let me ask you this. Speaking of loss and going through things, you've had some times in your life where you've had medical issues and you took care of your folks who were ill and you took kind of a hiatus away from jazz. What did those harsh realities of this life teach you? Did it give you a better appreciation for who you are and what you were doing with your life? How did those events affect you as a human being? I think the, the greatest effect that anything has is the, the awareness that comes from adaptation. To adapt to the moment is the ability to 
look into it re- as realistically as possible and not expecting it to be something that it's not, to appear, to see it for what it truly is and to worship it with respect as another moment of your life and to do the best you can under any circumstances. I think that's what it really comes down to. It always comes back to the moment and and how you treat that moment is what you are in yourself and how you feel about it. So there are so many things that are seemingly constantly change, but actually there's something fluidic in the process where you begin to take the shape of anything you're poured into. That, I think, is the most realistic way to be. And when, when done so, a person feels at home and at ease under any circumstance. I love that answer. So, as you look back on your life and your career in music, so much has happened. There's been so, your, your trajectory of story and music has been absolutely unique. Do you feel good about how your career has panned out up to this point? I feel great about this moment. Uh, so I, I guess it comes down to how I feel about what's taking place here and now, you know, right now. Um, it's hard for me to remember the countless details of experiences that I've gone through, if only on the basis of whether or not I was awake at the time that I went through these things. So there's something about the past in, in a way that it just dissolves into a place that has captured it like a suitcase with all the things you've saved, even those things that you haven't saved. You open up the suitcase and you find things in there that, you, that are very surprising that you forgot that you even put them in there. No matter what is in the suitcase, the greatest thing that can be is a distraction to what is alive and what is real. I find it more rewarding to put the suitcase in the closet. I like <laughs> and not, it. Not get, and not get so caught up in the past, or in the future for that matter. Because these things are... Um, they're just like vapors that uh, have no that have no body of their own, you know. You know, it's interesting. There's been kind of a theme with what you've described kind of in this waiting for Godot existential notion of things. And I heard someone describe to me one time about music that's not recorded in the nature, metaphorically speaking, about what you're saying, which is the beauty of music, if it's not recorded and it's in an audience, is that it just dissipates what was made and that improv notion that will never be made again dissipates and you move on. You know, you, you, you may have a memory in your mind, but at the end of the day, it's this temporal nature of creativity that just kind of goes into the air and it evaporates. It's just something that, that, that keeps coming into my mind with what you're saying about life and how memories work. But I do want to ask you this, um, kind of in a, in a more uh, abstract way. You've dedicated your life to jazz, and I want to ask you this. Why do you love jazz? Well, you know, I, I think the definition of that word is very flexible in itself. Jazz, you know, what is jazz? I don't consider jazz a form of music, a specific brand of music, a specific part of our society. 
a, a specific area of our culture, or any culture for that matter. I see jazz as improvisation, which is well known in terms of a description, a general description of it. But improvisation is something that takes place when I leave the front door and I decide to take a walk. Whether I go left or whether I go right is something that really is uh, takes place at that very moment, at a moment of improvisation where I move with second nature in either direction. And from that comes a nice long walk. That, to me, is jazz. There, there are so many things that really uh, coincide with the, the movement of one's creative ability that it applies to all of those things. It applies to what I decide to wear when I dress. It, dep- it, it applies to what I choose as an instrument to, to write. I have certain pens produce a, a feeling of my, my penmanship remains intact, remains unified. That's what, to me, improvisation is all about. A unique voice. Once that voice is solidified and uh, constant, it has an identity of its own, which in, in many ways is known as the style of that particular artist. When that formulates and becomes real, then whatever it's applied to has the, the same nature, has the same typical identity that one can uh, recognize the moment they hear one or two notes, they know who it is. Well, it's the same thing with penmanship. It's the same thing with a person's identity. So these are the things that I find much closer to the word jazz than a, a type of music or a, a specific type of our culture, you know. Absolutely. Well, let me needle this down a little bit more. Everyone has a perception of who you are, your family, your friends, your fans. But who do you think you are? When you face the world, who are you? I'm life. I'm life itself. And um, I am what, I mean, I am is the words that are said of importance. I am. Uh, That's who I think I am. I am. Beautiful. I think that's a great way to wrap everything up. Pat, it's been an immense pleasure to speak with you. Good luck with Fornable. Again, congratulations to your town on the Super Bowl win. It's much deserved, and I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Philadelphia, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Pat for his class, his cool, and his music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.